Welcome to Throne Wrenches Podcast. This is the auto podcast that is making up for lost time. On this episode of Throne Wrenches, Volkswagen plans on one of the biggest IPOs in history. GM gives Buick dealers a deadline to get on the EV train. The Inflation Reduction Act leaves EV incentives on the chopping block. All that and more on Throwing Wrenches. Some sweet guitar sounds there, my friend. Man, you, you play the sweet, sweet tunes, Daryl. I wish I could play guitar. You ever play guitar? Uh, no. No? I thought about it. Air guitar? No. I, it was one of those things I tried to use a think method, Her- Professor Harold Hill's think method. Yeah. Is that like a late night infomercial <laughs> or something? <laughs> if you just think it, you can do it, and it didn't work out. Oh, that's a Music Man reference. It, yes. Oh, man, you're so cultured. <laughs> <laughs> or a geeky one no, no, Raised fine. by a woman in the 50s. Anyway, <laughs> welcome to Throne Wrenches Podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, to enjoy the fun of the show, uh, you know, make sure you comment back to us at info at thronewrenches.com. You can also post a review on iTunes, and we'll read it, and you'll be heard around the world. And Eric will stop crying himself to sleep. Well, you we know haven't... when the last review was, Daryl? When? It was May of 2020. I remember it well. Seriously? Yeah, it was. 2020? No, no, 2022. Sorry. It wasn't that. Okay. Uh, all right. 2022. That was like maybe a way I don't, back Maybe machine. I don't remember as well as I thought I did. Nah, that's all right. It's yeah. been a long, I don't know, life. So that's uh, fine. Been a while. That's, <laughs> so this is episode 68. Uh, we're two episodes past our high water mark. We're hoping that it's going to peak again. Yeah. Maybe well, we'll. Yeah. I think, our, I think our wives always want, want that too. Yeah. yeah anyway. Hey, if you don't know my co host, Daryl Scott, oh. this man takes pity on the lonely and the hungry masses. I should know. When I was nearly destitute and starving for a meal when my wife was out of town, Daryl, Sarah, Archie, and Philip brought me in, and they fed me a fine family curry. Here, here. And they should be thankful that I had clean laundry, because I might have shown up with a laundry bag as well. But it all worked out, <laughs> thanks again to the, the Scott family, for bringing in this destitute man. That's Daryl Scott. Yeah. Happy, happy to do that. And uh, Archie was the one who was behind uh, all the cooking. I didn't even cook good. that night. So. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. He actually... Made plenty there. So it's nice when you have a company, you make a lot of food, and then you have leftovers. You don't have to cook for half the week. It's really nice. (laughs) That's your story. All right. So speaking of food, uh, if you don't know my my co-host here, the corn kid. Mm. You follow memes, Eric? Do you you Mm -mm. know the corn kid from Mm -mm. South Dakota? Mm -mm. All right. We'll Google that later. I've heard about it. Yes. All right. So the corn kid, he's got nothing on my co-host because he also frequents any and all local fairs, town events, and festivals, whether it's Turkey Fest, Pumpkin Fest. That's right. There's Pumpkin Fest. Or the Marigold Fest in Pekin, you'll find the likes of Eric Stahl working a counter, slinging Italian beef sandwiches, or working the crowd, shaking hands, and kissing babies, which is better than the other way around. Corn Kid, meet the Corn King. He's Mr. Eric Stahl. Oh, that's very nice. Thank you. And uh, I love that because we had a great time with the Marigold Fest here this last weekend. It was uh, nice. And the boys, they were in prime fashion. I tell you this, 10 years ago, my son started the theatrics there. He's yeah. he's been a carnival barker. I think he was I think this kid was made to be like a carnival barker a hundred years ago. So he started this tradition. And now my my boys from Troop Sixty Two, they mm-hmm. walk around the whole Marigold Fest annoying everybody. They even they got in trouble because they told somebody in line for another 
food. Yeah. You're making a bad decision. You should come over to Troop 62 and they stole a customer. Seriously. Oh, yeah. It set a bad precedent. So well, we probably have some apologies to make. That's all right. I, I will say the Marigold Fest is a great event right there in Mineral Springs Park in beautiful Pekin, Illinois. So if you're planning some events there. A couple years ago, you guys get some pretty good uh, guests there. Yeah. <laughs> we had Eric Estrada from Chips fame. Did you go see him? No, I this, almost... This, I thought Sarah might stand in line for that one. Yeah. Who else did you... Did you have like uh, we had Cliff Clavin? Cliff Clavin was there. And uh, then, uh, oh, uh, uh, the guys from uh, Iowa, the Pickers. Um, oh, uh, Mike Wolf. Not Mike Wolf. Who's the, the other one? The, the little guy. Frank Fritz Frank or whatever? Fritz, Frank Fritz was there like three or four years ago. Interesting. Okay. Before his demise. I was going to say, did he he passed away? No, I don't think so. I think he's just having health problems. I thought he passed away. Ooh. we got to Google that. All too. right. we got to find that out for sure. Can't say. If, if, if Danielle was there, I'd probably go see that. But she does like burlesque shows. That's a whole other not for Oh, all right. Well, that sounds like a post-show. Nah, right. Yeah, that's a pre-show material there. Before we get too deep in the show, we like to talk about our sponsors. We love our sponsors. They've uh, Well, this one in particular, Daryl. Mm. Forts Toyota Pekin. They have sponsored the show from the get-go. Forts Toyota Pekin, they are a small hometown dealership located in North Pekin, Illinois. The Fort family offers new and used cars and the parts and service for Toyotas. You can find them on the web at www.toyota-pekin.com. And uh, they got all the inventory in there. Today, seven cars showed up at Forts Toyota. And really? a couple of them were still for sale. We have a, a GR86 for sale and we have a Corolla hatchback sitting a lot right now in that blue color. Not totally bad. sweet. So. That blue is pretty slick. And then we got a Capstone Tundra that showed up, but it was already sold. Sorry about that. The white interior. That seems like a risky move for it a truck. It does seem like a risky it? move. But the seat bottoms are black, but the seat backs are white. Ah, okay. That's so I think, yeah. So, you know. Anyway. <laughs> you can go do some roofing and, and get tar on the seat, and no one will never know. If you're a roofer and you're not driving a cap, so unless you're the boss and you're showing up and you're telling the guys what to do, and then you get out of there, <laughs> you're right? You're supervising. Exactly. <laughs> you missed a spot. Yeah. Forts, Forts is the king of Toyota trucks in central Illinois. So if you have a, a need for a Toyota truck or any Toyota in general, see them, 309-382-4000, get you there. And uh, spoiler alert, Daryl, I mm. do work there. So do if you? I sound a little jaded, yeah, I do work there. I'm a service manager. So make sure you stop in and see me as well. Yeah, he's a good guy, folks. Uh, also, I'd like to say a quick thank you to another longtime sponsor with some longevity here, Gabe Casey for Taswell County State's Attorney. That's right. If you live in Taswell County, consider voting for Gabe Casey for state's attorney. Who would have been here tonight, but another festival got in the way. Yeah. Pumpkin Festival, which in the beautiful city of Morton, Illinois, it's kind of a thing. It is kind of a thing. I actually had uh, someone that I knew very close uh, to me uh, dressed Who, who up. you lost to the Pumpkin Festival? We actually lost to the Pumpkin Festival. They actually left work early to go to the Pumpkin Fest with their family. So that is what uh, kind of a big draw there is. I will say the pumpkin chili there, which also sounds a little suspect, a little yeah. sus, as the kids say, the pumpkin chili is pretty good. You ever had that? Uh, I've done it. I think I went. There, I think back way back when, kind of like Gabe, when we had the the kids running around. Mm-hmm. I think we did pumpkin pancakes, and we did in the you know we did the whole thing, breakfast and oh yeah. yeah. But uh, no longer do all that stuff. I would do a pumpkin curry though if they had like a curry cook off. Ooh, yeah, because I I'll do like a yam. Curry. Yeah, yeah. And pumpkin's pretty close to consistency. It'd be pretty fun. That's not bad. And for our listeners who are outside the greater central Illinois tri-county area, Morton, Illinois is actually the pumpkin capital of the world. All the Libby canned pumpkins you all make the uh, Thanksgiving pies with, well, that all comes and it's mostly processed here. Yeah. You don't live in Morton, so you don't get to enjoy the smell that comes from that. Is that... there is there an aroma? Oh, yes. Really? 
Pumpkin. Yes. It yeah. doesn't smell did, like pumpkin pie. Did, did you go to school in Champaign? Were you in? Uh, Western. Okay. Like so Cham- did you ever smell the craft factory in Champaign? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I've smelled ADM in Decatur. Yeah. Okay. Well, all these factories seem like. to have the same smell. But when Libby's gets going mm. for the pumpkins, yeah, I, I tell you, there's just some industrial food processing smell. It just, just Watch out, buddy. Yeah. Anyway, so right. so that's part of the pain of being part of the pumpkin pumpkin universe, I think. Speaking of bringing the pain, uh, we also have folks who bring the joy, the Patreon supporters. They actually help make this program possible. They brought us the uh, microphones, the mixer, the cords, everything that's working. Uh, so we do appreciate all of their support. It's really helped us grow and uh, make sure that this program gets to your your earbuds in a timely fashion. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for those Patreon subscribers. Have so much fun. Uh, we had a post show last episode. We actually got some feedback from Don saying he really enjoyed that. And I just, all I did was tell a yarn about Bonus Beer Bob and the Good Beer Show. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's, I don't know how he doesn't have a Netflix series with that title by now. But Well, you know, as, as we started to allude to in the post show, all my ideas get stolen. So it pro- it'll probably happen. True story. Yeah. Uh, we have been looking for reviews. Have you found them? Have you found any? No, like I said, uh, some of the sites just give you rankings. I went through, and uh, none of the other sites besides iTunes actually let you give a real review. So um, so if you're not on iTunes, I get it. I get it. I get it, man. It's fine. But, uh, but we, we, we are still a five-star podcast, though, yeah. on Apple Podcasts. We yeah. dipped to 4.9. We oh, were 4.9 for well, like a week. I had it expunged. Did you? No, I didn't. <laughs> Remove the strength that's from the record, I think somebody. I think somebody, they reconsidered their choices. Maybe. Maybe you guilted them into yeah, I it. Did, I did, I did. But what is this? What, 67? Uh, what? Oh, yeah. So so episode 67, we did have some feedback from uh, some listeners and friends in the UK who enjoy listening to this podcast on Spotify while they're cruising down the motorway on their Tesla. Oh, boy. Um, yeah. This is, that's our target demo. What are you talking about? Yeah. Right? Target demographic. Uh, uh, affluent uh, male... That's right. Uh, Eric said, and this is the, the comments that they left, were uh, Eric said that hybrids were true zero emission vehicles, exclamation point. Did I say that? Uh, yes, you did. Uh, we were talking about like PZEVs and ZEVs, and, which actually sounds kind of like a medication or something. I don't hmm, know. I, want, I, I don't remember the because I, I don't believe they're truly zero, but okay. Yeah. I, I think, think for California emissions, they're rated as truly zero. That's kind of, I think, what the, what the gist of that was. Yeah. Is they're not truly zero, yeah. but they're cleaner in, in many instances. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also, in my mind, quote, I was linking to the squashed Ford truck roofs with the Tesla beta software discussion and thinking at least the Tesla owners know they and made a conscious choice to be beta testers, but the poor squash truck drivers thought they were in a fully proofed vehicle. So you remember there was the story about the Mm F-250s, and Ford was getting a class action lawsuit against them because uh, it turns out when they roll over, uh, the roof's yeah, they aren't rated for the weight underneath the, the frame and everything yeah, like that. Not good. And I think you made an allusion to, like, that's no different than uh, Tesla beta testing a feature. What was that, right? What was the feature that Tesla wrote? Do I have to listen back to yeah, that? Yeah, I think I'm going to have to. I, I wasn't prepared for this discussion. Oh, my God. Is, you're getting peppered. Are, are, is this a uh, listener? Are they, are they lawyers? No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to say anything out of turn, you know, I don't no. want to be used against me in court. No, no, no. Okay. No, it's interesting, though. Especially I mean, international court. Talking about beta testers and, and, and the importance of uh, people complaining when some feature, a beta feature... Well, and that was for... that was the moment of Musk. Ah. Yes, that... Uh, but... Was that a Johnny Car- the Moment of Musk. Moment of Musk. Musk. <laughs> Casey Kasem. <laughs> and now, number four. <laughs> this one goes out to our friend Elon. 
uh, long distance. No, anyway, so I, the, the whole notion of beta testing something simple like a computer piece of computer software versus a $80,000 electric car, mm-hmm. there's, there's, a, there's a bigger gamble. There's more risk at stake there. Wouldn't you say if you're a beta tester of some feature? I mean, we talked about like Winamp and stuff like that. I've beta tested stuff for and, and actually one of my employees told us he'd been beta testing iOS 16 on his iPhone here for a long time. Ooh. He was quite excited about it. You know? Was he? Yeah. But I'm not driving a beta test, you know. You're not relying on and, that? And if Airbus said they were beta testing your flight, <laughs> what would you say? Yeah, yeah so you're on, a, you're on a Qantas flight somewhere across the ocean, and yeah. they're like, ah, we're beta testing this yeah. autopilot feature. Yeah, by this. the way, we're only flying with one pilot. It's a beta test. So you'd be like, <laughs> um, you know, at first, can I at least get a discount? If I'm going to die, I mean, how much can this flight be? At least 50% off? If you saved forty percent, would you do it? Oh yeah, right. Really? Oh yeah, for an eighteen hundred dollar flight? Yeah, You're flying yeah. over an ocean. <laughs> I don't know. It's scary. Yeah, beta- that's all lost. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? I die and I end up on an island with uh, um... <laughs> tattoo. No, <laughs> not Fantasy Island. No, not Fantasy Island. Lost. I'm trying to think. Of <laughs> There's been so many TV shows about people in islands. Yes. Anyway. Anyways. Can we get to the project? Yeah. I all guess. right. We start every show off. Well, we first we start off with all the other nonsense, but then we go right into the project section. That's where Daryl and I talk about all the great things we've been doing lately. The the first thing was kind of cool. On Labor Day, you and I hung out at the Delavan Car Show. We did. Yeah. It used to be run by the Optimist, but then it all got sideways, and then uh, Brent Rossi is running it with the... Uh, with the city of Delavan, but he's also doing it for St. Jude, and it was a great show. I went down there with a hundred dollars in in cars, matchbox cars, yeah, thinking I could buy the votes to get one of those coveted prizes. I mean, they have the, these cool trophies. Yeah, it's like a like a children's uh, the kids vote, kids yeah. choice awards yeah. kind of thing. So they vote on which car they think is. Cool it didn't pay cars. off. It didn't pay off. You I, did not get any kind of payoff whatsoever. <laughs> You came with a giant box full of cool, cool Hot Wheels. I just, I, I literally like scooped the whole rack from Morton. I mean, there, there's probably children crying that Sunday afternoon when they went to, you know, to Morton. And, but there were no and, cars and left. And adults, because, you know, they there's collect them too. More adults too, yeah. Got to collect them all. Uh, they also were bribing kids with candy. Did you have candy? I, no. I don't remember if you had a bucket of candy too. No, I think next time I'm going to have little tags with the number. But what I, what I didn't like... Let me let me start complaining. The airing of the grievances, the the charity car show that bothered me. Yeah, that was uh, (laughs) the the Jack's Wax guy uh, has a Porsche in purple sitting right there, and he's right next to where the kids dropped off their votes. And somehow he got like car of the show or something like that. Like he did get a trophy. You're correct. Yeah. Well, there was nothing special about that car. Was oh, he, oh, it was a metallic purple wrapped Porsche. Come on, kids like that. But I will say, what was he giving out? The kids liked that because it looked like the grown-up version of the Hot Wheels you were giving out. Yeah, whatever. I I, I, if I would have parked closer to the uh, final deposit point of the of the uh, ballots, <laughs> I think I would have won as well. You actually did drive the the GR Supra race car with like <laughs> stickers and uh, numbers on it yeah. and sponsor decals. You even had the helmet out there. It looked legit. Yeah, looked cool. Gabe Casey also joined us with his lovely family. Yeah, I fall. It was like a totally crazy that I pulled in. I didn't even know he was coming, mm-hmm. and I see this red BMW convertible pull in and I'm right behind him. We parked right next to each other and you were just minutes behind. We actually all that, lined up together. It, that never happened. Ever. It would never happen You again. could plan it for weeks. I also think it was the weirdest collection of vehicles too. It just shows you how eclectic the three of us chuckleheads are Yeah. because it, my wife and I, Sarah and I drove our 55 Plymouth. Eric had his GR Super there 
and then yeah, Gabe's E30 BMW convertible. They all look great, but they we're not even close to being on the same wavelength. No, automotive. No. But I think the whole show was kind of like that. I mean, there was some weird stuff there. Yeah, there was yeah, a lot of supers too. And the funny thing is, uh, you know, I think about like some of the more modern classics—not classics, but like the 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 uh, 86s and the FRSs and mm-hmm. these little sports cars, even Miatas. But not, nothing like that was there. But Supras seemed to represent. There was four or five Supras there. Yeah, there were. There were there was a Ferrari 348 there just hanging out yeah. randomly. And then like the rat rod pickups and, you know. But the weather was garbage. So I just assumed I'd get down. And, 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 and to be fair, I'm not sure it was a totally great showing versus years past. I think they probably could have got another 100 cars there if the weather would have been perfect. Yeah. But it was still decent representation for bad weather. Good turnout. Uh, they had vendors out there selling food, sandwiches. Uh, What'd you get? What did you? I got a grilled cheese sandwich. My brother went to the ice cream stand. Did you see these ice cream treats? No. Oh, I got to show you. I mean, take a picture of it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like oh, a yeah. mountain of yeah. ice cream. Yes. Yeah, I love that. Made a poor decision when I got the nachos. You also know it's a good event when you have a food vendor selling like the walking tacos or the taco in a bag. Mm-hmm. That's the best food in the. And I don't care where you are. I should have. I should have got that. I saw the the other place. I got a sandwich first, and I'm yeah. like later on. I'm like ah, I don't need this, but. Walking tacos. That's the greatest invention in the world. Did you get one? <laughs> no, but I've had walking tacos for. I don't know. The problem I have is a Frito bag. What's wrong with because, the Fritos? Because a lot of times, so you don't know if you're getting a snack pack Frito bag or a legit Frito bag. Oh, uh, okay. The okay. snack pack's a ripoff. Come on, I mean, let's be honest. you get like seven Fritos? Yeah, well, and just like a dollop of chili and some and some sour cream in there. And you're like, okay, here you go, five bucks. And you're like, nah, that's like two scoops and I'm done. Right. Yeah. Sorry. I, I, I would I, do like the family size bag of Fritos. Yes. And just put like... The chili a, cheese Fritos? Enti- yes. An entire crock pot of chili in there. But then I would also be the 600-pound man. This sounds like a dinner party idea. Oh, my God. Yeah. You want to do like a, like a real life-size walking <laughs> taco? Just lay newspapers out on, on the patio table, <laughs> dump like bags of chili cheese Fritos, and just start throwing dollops of meat. And, and, and that would be the last dinner party our wives <laughs> ever went to. Did you have fun tonight, honey? I thought it was disgusting. Yeah, yeah. What are you going to do with all that after the raccoons are done eating it? Yeah, I'm ashamed. <laughs> Never again. All right. Also going on in my project. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, we got we, sidetracked. We're, I'm stripping the Plastidip off my son's truck so I can sell that. Um, I did a good job this the year. The dip or the truck? Well, okay. Well, if I could sell the Plastidip parcel, you know, little pieces for some money, that'd be great. But no, uh, I'm going to sell his 1998, no, 19, God, I don't even know what year it is. It's a, it's a, it's a 98. I believe it's a 98 Forerunner. Yeah. So it was Desert Dune Metallic. It's just a nice little Forerunner. And I mean, I never had a problem with it, but my son, for some reason, thought that Desert Dune Metallic was a terrible color. So we plastidipped it blue, thanks to Gabe. There's three mentions of Gabe Casey in the show already. <laughs> uh, but he let my son use his plastidip machine. So got a gallon of blue plastidip. It looked like a TRD Pro blue when we first did it. Yeah. It was nice and shiny. It was great. But because it didn't have fender flares, the wide the spacers just like threw dirt up all over it. So it always looks look kind of grungy and dusty. You protected the original fender. Well, that's the thing. I'm stripping it off right now, and the truck looks really good. Everybody who sees it at the dealership, it's my thinking space. By the way, I go out there and I like peel on it for a little bit. Just like take a moment. That's right. That's, honestly, it's better than a break room. Yeah. Just go out there and peel some plastic. Some guys go out and smoke. You just go out and peel plastic dip yeah. off your kid's truck. Equally good for gaining cancer, probably. <laughs> probably. But. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
it's uh, I think it's going to be an easy sell once I get it cleaned up. So it'll it'll go well. It's a two wheel drive truck, so maybe we have a listener in the south who wants a really clean. There you go, old four runner. There you go. There you go. Automatic two point seven liter four cylinder. It's reliable as heck. It's slow and it's safe. So you know what? It'd be perfect for another kid somewhere else down the line. Also, uh, did I mention autocross? No, no, you up? Didn't. Yeah, so we got autocross coming up in Pekin. I'm going to try and make one of those events, and summer's going to be in town, too. My daughter, who's normally raced in the past, we'll see if we can make that happen, but it's October 1st and 2nd. Pekin Airport, it's super fun. It's a great, tight little space to do it, and uh, I actually kind of enjoy it when it's super, it, it's kind of cool, or if it rains, I think that's just so much fun out there. I think yeah. the last time we had one out there, it did rain one of the days, and people were like, mm, I don't know if we want to race. I'm telling you, even if the weather's bad, it's actually a great time. So, you know, make make an effort to do it. If you have any questions, reach out to me. Uh, it'll be totally fun. And uh, I may I may try to make the Southern Cruiser Crawl. I, Darryl, I talked to Daryl before the show started. I've been, uh, of course, anybody who's been following along knows that we got some, you know, some struggles with my daughter's health and we're dealing with St. Jude and stuff like that. But the Total Land Cruiser Association at uh, Great Smoky Mountain Trail Ride, and Marty Crawl, and these are folks from Southeast Toyota and from Louisiana Land Cruisers. They have been so kind to my family. So if I can make it happen, I'd like to go to another TLCA event this year, which would be Southern Cruiser Crawl. That's hosted by Cotton Land Cruisers. It's in Hot Springs, Arkansas. I know Jake is going. We talked about it previously before. If I can do it, I'm going to do it. If I can't, it's you know it just doesn't work out for the scheduling. But my God, man, my friends in the TLCA have been just amazing. So you, you don't even realize, you know, you, you don't even realize how many people know you and how much you've had an effect on people because, you know, I wrote articles and I showed up at the events and, you know, we, we I didn't really sponsor anything, but, you know, I was always there and doing stuff and, and helping out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty awesome. Get that support coming back the other direction. Absolutely. And it pays. It pays to have those uh, the groups that you're involved in, whether it's autocrossing, you know, off-road stuff or just any other kind of car culture people, they're they're the cream of the crop. Mm-hmm. They really are just down to earth, amazing. These people. TLCA people, yeah. I you know I I loved them all anyway. I tell amazing stories about all the great times of camping and cooking and trail riding and all the stuff we would do. Mm-hmm. But you don't. It's just you know to me it just felt like we're just having a great time. And we're getting to be neighborly and friendly, and we're all just kind of like a family. And we would do a lot of stuff that would be like. A lot of these events are charity events. So if they gain twenty thousand dollars at, at um, oh what's what's the big one cruise cruise Moab or uh, FJ Summit, you know they make twenty thousand dollar donation to a, a charity. Sure. And so you know I would throw in you know your your event pass is paying for charity. You buy tickets, raffle tickets. You buy a drive. You know you buy all these tickets and stuff, and you throw stuff in there, and they say hey it's for a good cause. You buy more tickets and all that. We would do that stuff all the time, and so. You don't think about it. I've been doing this for five or seven years or whatever it's been. Yeah. And uh, But it's when it comes back your direction, I, and I told Mike Legnan from uh, Louisiana Land Cruisers this week when I talked to him to thank him, like, I I never thought I'd be in the receiving end of it. it. That's just, you know, it's humbling because you don't ever put yourself in that position, which, thank God, I never thought about it. Sure. But it, it is nice that those guys are out there doing that. Yeah. Very, very, uh, very happy to hear yeah. that. Sorry to bring the show down. No, but, no, no, no. It's good. It's good. Uh, I I can't say enough about what's uh, what what you've brought to some of these these groups that you've been involved because in. you you don't just sit back and like pay your admission and do your thing and go home. You're you're usually rolling up your sleeves doing stuff. Maybe yeah, and that I helps can. too. Yeah, yeah, that helps too. I like to be a known person. 
Yeah, I just want to sit back and do nothing. But that's uh, not true, Daryl. That's well. Hopefully. That's why you're on TikTok so you can show off. <laughs> how many? How many? How many people are following you now on TikTok? Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I did have one. Would video. you like me to check while we're no, while you're talking about what you got going on? It's probably embarrassing. <laughs> I did have one video though that did get sixteen thousand impressions or hits or whatever. <laughs> what is that? Does that pay you anything? No, no. I don't. I have. I haven't monetized my account yet. <laughs> my my content's terrible though. I don't even shoot in the right aspect ratio. So. Yeah. So I've been told. What does that mean? Yeah, you're supposed to shoot vertically, which goes against everything I've ever. Oh been no, taught. yeah, horizontal was like king right. for so long, and now but, all this stuff. But now everything's gone on the mobile phone. You got to do it. Stupid. It, it's terrible. Technology's you, yeah. dumb. No, you don't. I mean, that's really for like in your face. Mm-hmm. It's not. You're not getting a wide scope of anything when you shoot vertically I'm, like that. <laughs> I'm just. You know what I wish? I wish I, I wish TikTok existed when I was younger. When like my brothers or would do something to tick my dad off in public, and oh. my dad would like spaz out, <laughs> you know, that's what I wish I had. I wish I had TikTok for when my dad was reprimanding my brother and I for doing something stupid in public, because that would have been gold. You look at some of the stuff now, and you're like, that's kind of funny. Yeah, eh, it would have been much funnier. I remember there was one, <laughs> there was one time where I locked my brother out of the car. And I think my dad was coaching football. It was like summer. It was like summer camp or something. And my mom was working. I don't even know what was going on, but like we were just like sit in the car, read a book, and you know, here's your etch a sketch, and I'll be done in four hours. Naturally, for like the first hour that worked, and then after that, we were bored. And we didn't have like you know whatever the kids have now, uh, phones, anything, (laughs) right? So I remember it was, it was my parents, 79 Pontiac Le Mans Safari station wagon. We're sitting in the practice field, the football field, the high school my dad taught at. He was doing something outside the car, like throwing rocks or just being a jerk or whatever. And I, 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 he wanted back in the car. I closed the door and I rolled up all the windows which is funny because it was like August. <laughs> it was like stupid. And I remember like my brother got mad and he's like, I'm going to throw a rock in the window if you don't let me in. And <laughs> oh, I'm like, no. go ahead, oh, make God. my day or whatever. And I'm, he just picked up a bunch of pea gravel and threw it at the window. And I just remember seeing <laughs> what safety plate glass turned into when you get peppered with rocks. Yeah, little bits of <laughs> sand. Yeah, it yeah. was so bad. And I remember my dad from like across the football field who was running drills as an offensive coordinator. <laughs> I just remember he just like threw the clipboard down and came over and just like a mushroom cloud exploded. It was fantastic. Uh, oh, God. I wish I had some sort of TikTok thing going on there because I think if I monetize that, I'd be retired now. You and I would be speaking from some sort of gold plated microphone. I, w- I wouldn't even know you, Daryl. I would actually, no, I'd be no, in the Alps. Be- Somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Or you'd be Alex Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my two choices. Yes, exactly. A rich guy in the mountains or Alex Jones. <laughs> I guess that's that's life. All right, so what else is going on? Because I saw the cleanest I mean, I will be honest with you. I went up I went to Daryl's house last week and yeah. I saw the renovations going on the Cadillac. Mm-hmm. It's getting there. Oh my god, dude! It's I mean, once there. you pull a plastic cover off and, and do some saddle soap, that everything turns out like that, or what? Yeah, leather's going really good. The back seat's pretty much done. The front seat, we ran Houston. We have a problem. <laughs> uh, ran into some more mouse damage, and uh, working through it. Sarah, my lovely wife, is a great. Uh, is seamstress a word that I can use? Uh, like Betsy Ross or what? Yeah, she's <laughs> so an old glory uh, in the form of my front seat. Uh, no, we actually went to Joanne Fabrics, and actually, if you're a car guy and you want to do upholstery on the on the DL or like save save some money, thrifty, 
if you walk if you walk through Joanne Fabrics, you're like, you know, for sixty to hundred bucks, I can do anything I need here. If you sew, or if you know someone who does, that's, I mean, that's post inflation. It is. It, well, you, you got like foam. You've got you know all the batting you would never need. Any kind of naga hide covering, or even some fabric. I know guys who have had their front seats redone. Like them and their wives will redo an entire. Like they'll just take the old seat covers off and like break them apart, break the seams, and then like clone them with whatever new fabric. It's a lot of work. Sounds we're not, like a ton of work. We're not going to get into that, but baseball stitching. Yeah, I can't. I can't do that. <laughs> so we're we're getting close to the front, um, putting everything back together for the interior, and then next year it's looking like <laughs> I'll, I'll work on the uh, the rest of the mechanics. I did get my generator back. Um, we do some wiring and stuff. I, I think the uh, Quickstar folks listened to the show. It sounded like they uh, literally. I I was kind of, where's my stuff? And then the next week they they called. It's done. So maybe, uh, so, but hopefully I'll get the thing running. I would love to be able to fire it off before I put it away for winter, just to get the, just to see if the stupid thing. Works. So I mean that's the thing. I, now that I saw it this last time, I see it sitting up on four fully inflated tires. Yeah, and it's uh, <laughs> good. And I see the interior starting to come together. Mm-hmm. I didn't look under the hood. But I mean, it's there. there. There has to be this this feeling of put the key in the ignition and turn it over. And you have not done that. How no. do you, how have you disciplined yourself? I I overthink everything, and I always expect the worst. So there's part of me, the high schooler in me, wanted to just get a gas can and a rubber hose yeah. and gravity feed the carb and just put put a jumper pack on it and see if see if she'll fire. Yeah. The older person of me says, "Yeah, what about stuck valves? What about mouse stuff in the exhaust? What oh, about?" That's I true. mean, yeah. all those things that you're like, start adding up and start costing money. So I, I'm gonna, I'm still gonna play it safe, but uh, I, I might still the temptation. So you yeah. you've rolled the engine with a, a you know a breaker bar, breaker bar. So yeah. so you know it's free. Yeah, yeah. So I know it's free. I don't know the condition of the trans yet. Oil on the dipstick? Clean. It's cleaner than anything else in okay. the garage. Okay. So I, I have a really good feeling. I just, when I do it, I want to make sure that I'm not going to ruin it. So, but I don't know. Talk to me in October, November. <laughs> now that I can actually, once I get the front seat in and that finally gets buttoned up, I can actually sit in the thing and I can, you know, pump brakes. I can go through and play around with whatever, try starting it. It was so bad before I just couldn't even get near it. And now the garage doesn't smell. It's great. It's great. It just has that old car smell now. It does. Yeah. Maybe that's me. Maybe it's my old spice. No, I mean, yeah, you know that smell. I do want to give a quick shout out to Phil and Archie uh, for sending me that die cast model. Actually, they found what? a die cast of a 55 Fleetwood and it showed up and it is beautiful. Is it white? No, it's 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 like a pastel yellow. It's beautiful. Well, it's pretty close to your color then. But even as a one sixty fourth model, it's a one of the bigger die casts. Mm-hmm. Even as a small model, it barely fits in my. I have a little spot on my desk in the in yeah. the office. Yeah. It barely fits in there. I oh, got that cool. and the little Lego Supra that my niece and I built. Yeah, and it's it just dwarfs. It doesn't them. look anything like a Supra. No, they're both yellow though. So. <laughs> Anyways, that's all I got, and a couple more carb rebuilds in the works. And actually, you actually put a carburetor in my car tonight. Yeah, that one's for Mister Fort. Uh, Looking forward. He's to that. got his uh, night. Was it nineteen eighty nine Jeep? Is mm-hmm. it? Yeah, it's a beautiful Sahara. I've ogled over that thing for eons, but he gave it to his son Trevor, and uh, you know, it it ran. I mean, they used to drive that thing all the time in the nineties, but then it really mm-hmm. got just pushed in the back. Of, of every, I mean, that's the beautiful thing about having that Hicks building across the street. There's just like the storage facility, and and he has other storage facilities besides that. But uh, 
that one didn't run for 20 years. And now they pulled it back out because Trevor, you know, he wants to... Wants to drive it. He's got kids. Yeah. You know what? That old that old style Jeep, even though it's got the square headlights, still has that triangle back uh, roll bar. It'd be fun. Totally cool. Totally fun, but just runs like garbage. So we were going to take it to Winter Circle, and I said, well, I know a guy, and like I said, it's a paid job, Sarah. This isn't like a freebie. Oh, that's fine. Whatever. But uh, I, I figured you could help out, so. Yeah. Uh, and you volunteered. I didn't I didn't just throw this on you. I rebuilt. It's a Carter BBD, and I actually rebuilt one last uh, last year. Yeah. Last year. So, total confidence in Mr. Daryl Scott. If not, you know, I'll just tell Mr. Fort you screwed it up. Thank you. <laughs> I, have, I have no doubt you will. <laughs> All right, so it looks like we're at that time of the show. Yeah, we've we, dragged it out this far. We sure did. It is time for the news. <clears throat> Let me put on my Walter Cronkite suit here. <clears throat> my tie tight enough? I like it. Yeah. You did do a good news announcer the last time. Oh, did I? Yeah. Mm. The news. You used to do a thing. It's time for the news. Thank you. All right. It's like a newsreel. It is. All right. International news, folks. Volkswagen, this is according to the Wall Street Journal, Volkswagen is going to list Porsche in one of the largest IPOs in years. Volkswagen AG said on Monday that they would list its iconic sports car maker, Porsche AG, in one of the biggest initial public offerings in years and a crucial test for investors' confidence as high inflation and the war in Ukraine put a damper on the global economy. The offering could value Porsche between 60 Billion euros and eighty-five billion. Oh my! Oh. <laughs> Is that a distraught German? I don't know what that was. <laughs> it's equivalent to fifty-nine to eighty-four billion dollars in U.S. bucks, according to an analyst estimates. Uh, injecting this cash into VW's coffers, uh, executives say, will help the company bankroll its transition to electric vehicles and self-driving cars. This is. So to me, I think Porsche is one of those iconic brands that when we look back 20 or 30 years, mm-hmm. Porsche is not going anywhere. Probably I, not. I could see Volkswagen becoming a marginal brand. I could see, you know, it, it, let's just say that EVs and transportation changes so much with public transportation and, and nobody really wants to have cars. There's going to be iconic brands that are never going away. Sure. And and this is when you and I are on our deathbeds. Right. Probably, you know, but I think Porsche is one of those brands, you know, that if I'm in a, a Bruce Willis science fiction movie, you know, 100 years from now, it's a flying Porsche, right? They'll still be here. Yeah. I find it interesting that they're going to use that to uh, free up some money and and pump it into their big EV transition. Mm-hmm. When we've heard very little here in the states, and you've you've been banging the drum for this for years, um, here in the states we don't hear too much about their their EV stuff. But over in the UK, mm-hmm. over in Europe, you do hear a little bit about that, and they're poised to do some pretty good business worldwide with uh, I'd say affordable, approachable EV transportation. Mm-hmm. If this is going to give them that cash incentive that they need, cool. Um, what's that mean for Porsche? I mean, Porsche, if you look historically, has been super traditional. Uh, you can still get an actual manual transmission. They're yeah. they're still the enthusiast car when yeah. you talk to people. I I agree with you 100%. I don't think that's going to change, even though they've started things like the Taycan and some other EV models that they're you know in the works. Those are still performance cars. They're still a Porsche. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Interesting news. I think it is interesting. I also think this is one of those situations, kind of almost like Rivian and some others. I mean, yeah, we're eighty-four billion dollars up front, 
But do you watch that stock sink down to thirty or forty billion dollars? I mean, so the IPO, you know, you buy in at two fifty right up. But mm-hmm. I don't think you're going to make any money on that stock for a long time. It's not going to grow. It's a cash grab for Volkswagen. You know, IPOs. This will be a test. It will be interesting to see what they actually get on the IPO on this. Because mar- what's, what's next for for Porsche after an IPO? Nothing, what's next? For nothing. They, I don't think they have any cars that they're going to say, "Oh yeah, because this IPO, we're doing this or that." I mean, like I said, the Taycan. That's a, that's a huge car. But realistically, they're they're retooling their factories. They're taking that money and they're working on it. But you're not going to see any results of any of this for years to come. So it will be interesting to see if it actually works out. Maybe as they far will. as works out in the market aspect as far as you feel like happy you bought in on that IPO. Right, you feel <laughs> feel proud that you have that. <laughs> Maybe they will be the first flying car. Never know. Never know. Uh, okay, so speaking of this, this is technically not international, but it's kind of international because Stellantis is, you know, international and whatnot. Anyways, uh, an interesting article came across the feed today, and it said that uh, Stellantis is actually stopping production of the Eco Diesel Ram. That's the half half ton truck of course, the Ram, but uh, they started in, in, including in, uh, what was it, 2014, a diesel V6. It's a smaller V6 that they borrowed. It's a Fiat motor. It's very popular in Europe. And, really? Yeah, really? Yeah. It, it was in like delivery trucks and kind of light duty uh, vehicles over uh, in Europe and across the world. But here in the States, it only showed up in the, the Ram pickup. And it, uh, from Jalopnik, this article came in, it said it was appear that Although uh, the small, by American standard, diesel truck revolution for half... Let me start over. It would appear as though the small, by American standards, diesel revolution for half-ton pickup trucks has run its course. They're turning off the lights and sweeping the paper streamers off the floor, according to the announcement made on Tuesday. Ram is discontinuing its excellent eco-diesel V6 in January 2023. And in case you're wondering what the big deal is, the Eco Diesel V6 is or was a great engine with respectable power, torque, and especially for those who like to tow with a half-ton truck but still have a little bit of oomph that you'd expect with a three-quarter-ton truck. And it's totally bananas four-figure cruising range thanks to the big old fuel tank and good overall efficiency. 32 miles per gallon on the highway. Wow, that's strong. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, what would you give for that? I mean, seriously. Honestly. And the the, the, the option was about $4,000 over the cost of like a traditional Hemi V8. I mean, yeah, that's ridiculous. I, I'd take that all day long. I mean, unless you're really towing like a giant two-car hauler or something like that, right? Yeah, construction equipment yeah. or something. Yeah. But if you're towing a boat or an RV or something like that or a car hauler on the weekends, whatever. That's really respectable. And it actually, the the Ram was kind of a response to some of the other options for smaller diesel six cylinders. So General Motors has a smaller Duramax. You can get the Silverado and the GFC Sierra. And uh, Ford actually has, I think it's like a 2.7 power stroke, which is a smaller uh, six cylinder power stroke. But they also kind of gave up the ghost. I think GM and Ford are still going to offer that for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, the, the Ram EcoDiesel was definitely like the, one of the best in class as far as that goes for numbers for for mileage. But the CEO actually said for the Ram brand CEO, a guy named Mike Koval Jr. Oh, Mike. Oh yeah, I know yeah, Mike. Good old Mike. He's the oldest one of the Koval boys. Jr. Uh, to you and me. Our Ram EcoDiesel V6, he says, has delighted consumers with the highest half-ton diesel torque rating and towing capability while being the first to exceed 1,000 miles of range. 
That's insane. That's awesome. That's, That's awesome. like semi truck. Yeah, yeah. Not even a uh, Dodge Ram fan because I've just watched so many transmissions and you know, it's <laughs> just grenades. Yeah. So, yeah. You, okay. So yeah, you got a, you got you know big range on it, but uh, you probably change the transmission. Now. Get that lifetime warranty if you're gonna get one of those things. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So the other part of his statement says, as we quickly pivot towards an electrified future. We wanted to celebrate this last eco-diesel milestone by offering our loyal light-duty diesel enthusiasts a final opportunity to order the truck they love. Yeah, well, I mean, with that kind of fuel economy, I think people would be lining up for it, right? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it. No. You know, my big takeaway on this article, and this may sound kind of crazy, I said the word ticker tape to my kid the other day. Yeah. They don't even know what ticker tape is. So I noticed here they said paper streamers off the floor in the beginning of this article. That's like the next generation. The of kids thing. don't know what ticker tape is. No. And I said, it's from the stock market tickers. They just heap it out the windows. And my daughter goes, oh, that's what that means. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, I saw that in a 1930s movie once, yeah. Dad. Thanks, yeah. For, yeah. thanks yeah. for the reference. Yeah, I used to watch Remember When with uh, Dick Cavett when I was a kid. That's how I learned all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, how old are you? <laughs> I swear you're 73. I talked to this. I told that story to Phil the other day. That's how I learned all, all my American history was from Dick Cavett. Dick Cavett. Half-ton diesel truck, what do you think? Uh, you hear that from folks all the time. Like, if they have a half-ton truck and they tow. Well, the problem I always had was I never felt like fuel economy, you know, was that advantageous. So I felt like the... And it used to be like it's a $10,000 cost upgrade, maybe for those big diesels. Right, like a Cummins or yeah. like the big yeah. power strokes. And so and then you're dumping all this def in there. You're, you're spending all the extra money on maintenance. And you're like, oh, that isn't worth it. But but if you're getting a small diesel and you're getting twice the fuel economy of a gasser... Yeah. <sighs> That's that's the, a strong argument just to you know to run with that. Why doesn't America? Why hasn't America been able to embrace diesel like other countries? And why is it such like I it's can't, like I can't answer upon. that question. I can't answer it because I've worked for a manufacturer that never could figure out a way to get a diesel in the United States. No, yeah. Toyota never really did. No, they they did in the eighties or something like that, and that was that was like the last time. So yeah, it's hard to well. I don't know. I say hard to imagine, but I, I'm interested to hear from our good friend Steve Brown. Mr. Cannonball, Downtown, he actually got a different daily driver, and he actually opted for, for kind of similar reasons, a half-ton Sierra pickup with the smaller Duramax uh, six-cylinder. And I'm curious, as he kind of puts that through its paces mm-hmm. and, and daily duty, I'd love to hear like a short and a long-term report, because I would think on paper that would be the best of both worlds. You get half-ton pickup capability, you get the diesel power when you need it, but you also get decent fuel economy. Sure, it's a little bit of money on the on the on the purchase end of that. I'm just curious what that is long term going to be. You with think maintenance. Uh, high fuel prices have have like tempered our our desire to have to have high horsepower and high torque? Maybe to some extent, because I I feel like now when when you say like ah oh, she's a little bit slow, you know, but uh, people people don't care so much. You know, if you buy a hot rod, you buy a hot rod. But you need to have a truck with massive horsepower, massive torque, unless it's a, I mean, it's a 350 level or something like that. Have you been to the South, Eric? Have you been? <laughs> Glass packs. I, I live in Tazewell County. Okay? Stacks. That's south, that's south for you. No, but I, I say hot rods. Trucks have kind of become hot rods. They have. But I, you but still I, get a V8 but I, with them. But I think people have dialed down their expectations is what I'm saying. I think high gas prices. It's fair. If, 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 the normal consumer. I think there was a time when if you were walking into the dealership and you said, oh, I, could, I, I want the big 6.0 or something like that because right. it's not that much more money. But now somebody like Steve shows, hey, you know what? Uh, this is more practical. And if that means I'm giving up a little bit, you know, I'm driving it, it's probably worth it in the long run. 
I agree. I think that's kind of a reality check, isn't it? The nice thing about turbo diesels, though, too, is you can throw more power at them with a tune yeah. and a little bit of work. There's all kinds of things you can do with it, with a sure. turbo uh, and, and a diesel where you, you, you kind of make power in a crazy amount. You're a GM apologist. I am. I am. I am. Yeah. I got a patch. <laughs> yeah, soon soon to be for sale. All right. In other national news, this is a great one here. This is from Adapt, which is a, kind of a weird newsletter I get. Crash tests show poor automated braking performance at night. So according to Kelly Blue Book, the Insurance Institute of America uh, Safety tested 23 vehicles that had the 22 model year stamped on them. The tests were to see if those models braked for adult side, size mannequins. Mannequins were positioned to be crossing a street or walking parallel to the road, and the tests were conducted at 12 to 25 miles per hour for the crossing mannequins. Uh, Daytime results revealed that 19 of the 23 vehicles had an advanced superior rating Hmm. for their automatic braking systems, Daryl. But at night, those numbers dropped to 11 out of 23. Uh, The IIHS categorized the vehicles using the following criteria. Uh, The vehicles warned the driver to stop. And that was the, I'm not going to read all these models. So that's a basic. Uh, advanced is the vehicle warned the driver stop and reduced the speed to avoid the crash during one of the tests. And the superior, the vehicles avoided the crash in both tests. And uh, that was the best thing that could happen. The Chevy Malibu, the Honda Pilot, the Nissan Altima, and the Toyota Tacoma did not perform well enough to receive any of these ratings on these 22 models. Yeah. So that means if you're crossing the street at night and somebody's driving a uh, Honda Pilot, look out. Yeah. <laughs> look out. <because laughs> well, and, you. you know, I'm a Toyota shill, so yeah, I hate to see that too. But um, these automatic systems, and we, we calibrate these all the time. When you break a windshield or, oh, yeah, or you yeah. have a bumper replaced, we have to recalibrate, you know, the radar uh, braking and the, uh, the the lane departure and all that stuff. They're just like proximity sensors, They right? watch everything. You'd be surprised how much the cameras are watching and how much the radar is watching at all times. Mm. And you have to think that somebody turned sideways with a profile, that car is taking in so much data at such a fast speed. How fast can it break? Have you ever had one of those, uh, the braking things kick on yeah. on you accidentally? The or? Sienna I was driving, I accidentally, almost, I got too close to the flower pot backing up the other day. I thought I hit it. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> either your cars do that? Uh, the Highlander. Oh, okay. The Highlander did once. <laughs> Sarah was with me too, so she made fun of me. It's like, ha ha, you know. <laughs> uh, but I was in traffic somewhere and I wasn't paying attention. I was probably playing with the stupid radio. Mm-hmm. And I was creeping along, and the guy, like, short stops right in front of me. And I was going, like, five miles an hour. But the thing, and it beeps, you know, does the beep, 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 and then slams the brakes on. Yeah. And stayed on. It was great. I'm like, okay, cool. That saved me about $200 of damage. I've tried to, to, I've tried to come off an off-ramp and then, like, and then Not let off stop. the brake. Yeah, but, man, it's too unnerving to do it. But if I'm in laser cruise and I, and I follow a car all the way down an off-ramp, it'll come to a stop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's fascinating. Technology, especially when you start spending more time with it. Mm-hmm. Initially, I think a couple of years ago, I was talking, we were, one of our early shows, we were talking about laser cruise. It was with Todd Fortier. We were talking about that and how, like, it's terrible. It mm-hmm. takes the feel out of it and whatever. It's also, it saves your bacon. Yeah. And yeah. Especially if you're just driving, you don't want it in an enthusiast car if you're on a road yeah. course or something like that. But if you're if you're stuck in traffic and you're changing your playlist or you're 
Looking somewhere you're not supposed to be looking. It Distracted will driving, Daryl? Yeah, maybe. You wouldn't do that. I mean, no. unless it was like a like a 56 Buick or something you know, on Marketplace. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. <laughs> oh, man, this is tough news here if you're a GM apologist. GM's offering to buy back Buick dealers, Daryl. Are they? Yeah. Is this your story? Did I jump? I jumped you. Sorry. No, this Get, is Grab not- it. This is, well, okay, well, I'll take it because it's GM. But, yeah, they're offering buyouts to Buick dealers. If you haven't heard, Buick is going to be like EV all the time. Like Saturn. Oh, wait. No, they're going to keep them. Sorry. Yeah, no, I know. So they're actually going to current Buick dealers that don't want to make any investments in the brand's transition to exclusively offer all electric vehicles by 2030 here in the U.S. The automaker confirmed Friday that the buyout offers, which are being outlined to Buick dealers this week, are the latest efforts by GM to accelerate the company's EV plans and transform the sales network. All of Buick's roughly 2,000 franchise dealers will be given the opportunity to take the buyout, according to the the global head of Buick. Duncan Allred. Duncan Allred, yeah. Uh, I would much much more of a fan of Duncan Hines myself, but <laughs> he's all red. I mean, the the family name, the lineage has to come from somebody who's well read, right? I would think so. Right. I would think, but they were doing the same thing. GM was going to Cadillac dealers. Well, and so same that's thing, pressuring that. That I thought we'd maybe talk about that. This is from Wall Street Journal. The um, I thought Cadillac was going to be the EV brand for GM. So the, this Buick thing, I, what, what we got like a moderate EV brand now. I mean, we got. We're making Chevys, and but but Buicks are kind of like we're going to be EV there, but so different price what, point. So what's Cadillac? Is that going to be like the Porsche competition or something? Yeah, I think they're and they're positioning. They've got like a seven hundred horsepower Escalade now for some stupid reason. <laughs> and I like horsepower, but like the world needed that. Yeah, uh, I think it's just different price points, different demographics. You have somebody who's going to buy a, a Chevy Bolt that's going to be you know cheaper. Something the Buick, you know, a little flashier, a little nice. Maybe you've got some leather and some chrome, and then of course the Cadillac, which is you know their flagship. So I think they're just trying to bring things in at different price points. Um, I feel bad, and we talked, I think, uh, about this with the Cadillac thing. I feel bad for the longtime dealers who are just kind of the smaller area, smaller dealers in an, in a which, maybe which, a rural area. Which are the ones that usually give it up? Yeah, and they're probably just gonna be like, yeah, we'll go ahead and take the buyout. Yeah, because if you look at that, there's. Well, how many Buick dealers in the Peoria area? Mm, one. Really? Yeah, I think. Is it Veldy? Is that the only one? There's not one in Peoria anymore? Uh, Heritage closed. I think they got bought by somebody. Okay. Riverside doesn't have Buick? Uh, they might. I think they're just Chevy only now. Okay. So that's what, I'm, I, that's what I'm, I'm saying. In the old days, I don't know, where you grew up, did you have like a Chevy Oldsmobile dealership? Or yeah, we a did. We had, we, had, we had Peterson, I think, on Route 24. Yeah. I think. I don't remember. We had dealers that were, they'd, they'd sell a couple different types. Peterson Chevrolet, so Oldsmobile the, Buick, I think, yeah. Yeah. And there was Rube up in Pontiac. There was Oldsmobile Pontiac, I think, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. But now in, nowadays, I think it's just everybody's streamlining. And uh, the smaller kind of standalone places like that, I don't know. Uh What's the buyout, too? If you're a dealer, I don't know how the whole af- affiliation works. Well, so you pay... You pay monthly or, you know, you pay monthly for your ticket, but then you're, you know, you have to re-sign every couple of years, you know, based on your sales activity. And so, you got to meet certain benchmarks, yeah, right? And, yeah. Okay. So, and, and they'll put you, you know, on a three or five or 10 year term, you know, based on sales probably. But, you know, Buick, how many Buicks can, you know, a local dealership in Pekin, Illinois be selling? I, I don't even know. No. Dude, those Buicks are all garbage. Those enclaves. 
They're so. all they they really have <laughs> fallen. Uh and I, I say that it's not even a great brand. Not like anymore. It, no. Not anymore. I, I really hate saying that. And we'll probably get a couple emails like I love my Buick Lacrosse from two thousand nine. I have never I mean, right now and I and I hate to jump out and just like ambush, you know, a brand, but no, go for we're it. We're these small GM four cylinders with the timing chains and the oil consumption. I have never seen an auto manufacturer get away with murder with vehicles that literally engines only last 100,000 miles. Yeah, if that. It is insane. I had a guy, a, a neighbor down the street, he showed up in, a, in an enclave, mm-hmm. and he's like, what do you think? And I'm like, oh, did you just get it? He, was, he noodles around. He flips cars. He Good. Flips cars. Flip it again. And that's what he's going to do. And it's beautiful. It was. It came from Lighthouse. Lighthouse. That's another Buick dealer, right? Okay. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. they do Buicks. Um he he's like yeah this thing had the three six or whatever timing, basically timing chain something exploded or a tensioner broke whatever it bent valves he wound up getting a short block and putting it so he he somehow was able to finagle this thing for for not a lot of money put a new motor in it and fixed it now he's running it around he's going to sell it and I'm thinking to myself that motor that you pulled out of the junkyard is going to last it's no twenty thousand no better than the one that yeah that just uh, the grenaded. <laughs> Awful. They're garbage, and again, I. It's almost like there should be a class action lawsuit on these cars. They they are, they're super cheap, and they show up on the used car lots, and people are like, oh, look at this, eighty to ninety thousand miles. I get this car for ten or twelve thousand dollars, but they literally can't make it three or four years without just chewing up so much oil. Right. Or the, once the timing chains go, VVTI actuators can't even make the car run anymore. They're useless. Years ago, uh, I rented a Buick Regal with a little turbo Ecotec motor in it mm-hmm. and drove up to Chicago for a work conference. And I just remember that the car was cramped. It had leather. It had all the bells and whistles mm-hmm. that you would want. Uh, but it was cramped. The, the ride was terrible. And I think it was basically like a reskinned Chevy Cruze. Yeah. And I'm thinking, this thing's like a $32,000 car. Who's who's buying this? You still see them. I mean, you see them show up used all the time. I do I do feel bad because when I was a kid, my first car was a Buick. It was a 78 LeSabre. A Buick was something that you aspired to. It was a nice car. It was like you were moving up in the world. Sure. You got some nice options. And that 3,000 motor, is, yeah. 3,800? Yeah, 3,800. Yeah. One yeah. of the best motors ever put in a car ever in the history of automobiles. I agree. Yeah. I agree. And I would take, if, if Buick sold a 1988 LeSabre today yeah. Yeah. or a Park Avenue, I would buy one of those. I'd pay 30, 40 grand for one of those. Yeah. So, those yeah. motors would run and run and run and run. Anyway, we could talk all day. Sorry yeah, about that. Yeah, if, you, yeah. if you want to have the post-show Buick uh, <laughs> session, we could do that. Anyway. <laughs> the good old days. The good old days. Now, here is a weird article, Daryl, that I dug up, and I don't think either you or I was expecting this. Hmm. I don't know where it came from. I was trying to find credit to it. But let's just say this is a headline. The Inflation Reduction Act removes electric motorcycle tax incentives. This is by Mary Ann Todd. Just under a year ago, the industry professionals and consumers were hopeful to hear that the incentives to buy electric motorcycles would be offered under the Build Back Better Act, back by the passed by the U.S. House of Representatives back in November. The incentive would offer substantial savings in purchasing electric motorcycle products as the federal government poises to replace combustible engines. Is that combustible? Yeah. Combustion engines? Combustion engines. I mean, combustible <laughs> engines really sounds bad. Those are engines that explode. <laughs> anyway, Marianne, the engines with electrification to two- and four-wheel drive vehicles. But this month, those hopes were dashed as motorcycles were completely left off the Inflation Reduction Act, effectively removing the now-expired electric motorcycle tax credit in its entirety in a swift departure from the Build Back Better Act. Had motor, electric motorcycle incentives been passed as planned, consumers would have been able to apply for as much as 30% credit 
capped off at $7,500, and the act would have included motorcycles and electric bikes, electric cars, and EV batteries, making electric modes of transportation more affordable for motorcycles meeting the criteria of 2.5 kilowatts of battery and capable of traveling at speeds of at least 45 miles an hour. And I'm, there's more to read here, but you know we we have talked a little bit in the past about electric motorcycles, and I've kind of I think even in my car of the week way back I had an electric motorcycle. Yeah, I think there's something really cool about you know motorcycles as a task oriented vehicle. You know, like I'm going to go to work every day. I think a motorcycle is awesome for that, and I can plug it in, and it charges fast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot to be said for that. But then if I look at like the live wire from Harley Davidson. It's a thirty thousand dollar bike, and I think with the tax credit last year, so now we're what forty thousand dollar bikes. Yeah, probably. This I. Why is it that we can we can give tax credits to Tesla and every other manufacturer for making EV cars, but this didn't happen for motorcycle manufacturers? It it, it seems crazy to me. It does. I've never seen, and now actively I don't, I don't go looking for them, but. I don't know anybody, and I haven't seen any appear. Uh, I haven't seen any of these electric bikes out in the in the real world. Have you? I don't think they've really made it to Central Illinois. No. The, the Harley dealer, I think, first off, just like every other manufacturer of automobiles, you had to be a certified EV, you know, sell, seller. Oh, okay, okay. And I, and I know if I have a friend who works at the Galesburg Harley store. They they didn't bother to do it. They're like forget whether it was a technician problem yeah. or something they didn't do in their shop. They opted out of not selling the live wires because their techs have to get trained. They got to have certain things like certain tools or yeah. equipment, whatever to yeah service them. So I don't know who else in the area. If you were to go to harleydavidson.com, you could probably look up and see who sells live wires. And and we're using Harley. You know, I don't know what Honda bikes, Yamaha. I mean, what other manufacturers are making these these electric bikes? But there's certainly no incentive for the consumer to buy them. No, no. no. So. I, I think it's a mistake. I'm sure I think they'll probably course correct on that, wouldn't you think? Over time. Over time. But there's there's gotta be uh there's gotta be a little bit of a push. You know, maybe there's just not as many uh motorcycle lobbyists or something. I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, the, I don't know who this you know, a couple of these people the, the last comment was it's an issue for dealerships, but it's more unnerving for manufacturers. I have no clue how this is going to affect us. We have you know, we're not in the game yet. It's it really does stifle the growth. I mean, they literally, you think about the money thrown at Rivian, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to make these vehicles affordable, these tax credits. Well, and what consumers adopt, too, that's that's the other thing. The market is going to adapt, and people are going to start purchasing things where there's incentives mm-hmm. or where there's a buzz or where yeah. there's a, it's a better product. Well, the federal government has manipulated the whole buying cycle of the consumer just by having these tax credits. They have. They have. And when you look at where electric stuff has taken over, it's it's... Automobiles, mm-hmm. uh, and and walk through Lowe's, walk through Home Depot, walk through some of those places. If you need actual mower parts or yeah. stuff like that, that's few and far between. Everything is all like Ryobi or steel, or it's all electric. Well, that's California doing that when they outlawed the two strokes and all that stuff. It's it's coming for the rest of the United States. But that's battery technology too. A forty volt and an eighty volt system, dude. Five years ago, that was science fiction. It was, yeah. And you can actually get. Uh, you know, you can mow an entire suburban yard on one battery, yeah. which, again, five years ago, you couldn't really do. When the little old lady, when I was a kid in the in the 80s, had a plug-in mower, like a plug-in yes. lawn boy, yeah. like, that's so stupid. Look at that. Right, you, you make know. fun of them. Yeah, but, I mean, realistically, for somebody who had a postage stamp yard, probably the smartest person on the block, really. 
They and they had the same. My great grandpa had an electric sunbeam snowblower. Yeah, sunbeam like they make toasters. Yeah, okay. They in the seventies, sixties, seventies, they made uh, mowers. They made uh, all kinds of outdoor stuff. And he had an electric snowblower. And you know what? That thing worked for thirty years. Always started. Never had problems. <laughs> never was changing fuel. Never rebuilt the diaphragm in his carb from you know. It was just who's laughing. My now? buddy bought an electric chainsaw because he he's like. Never have a problem with the start because who doesn't have a chainsaw that's hard to start? They're, I think they the first, just make them that the way. The first year they start great. After that, they burn, suck. Burn, burn, burn. Well, it doesn't matter anyway, Daryl, because this next article basically tells us we're all screwed, right? Yeah. So we're not actually getting any anything we we purchase in the next few months because members of one union rejected a tentative deal with the world's largest. I'm sorry, the U.S.'s largest freight railroads this week. Just today, right? Yeah. Just hot off the presses. Let's talk about the railroad strike. Live local late breaking. That's throwing wrenches news. Two ratified agreements and three others remained at the bargaining table just days ahead of the strike deadline, threatening to intensify snarls in the nation's largest supply chain that have contributed to rising prices. Uh, About 4,900 members of the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers District 19 voted to reject a tentative agreement negotiated by IAM leadership with the railroads. The union said Wednesday today uh, they agreed to delay any strike by members until after September 29th. So bottom line is here, railroad companies, bunch of different groups, and one single union trying to work through some uh, some bargaining just days ahead of a strike that might be heading our way. So- that includes, uh, real quick, BNSF, Union Pacific, Norfolk Southern, CSX, Kansas City Southern, and U.S. operations of Canadian National. So every freight train that you see crossing at a crossing near you, mm-hmm. uh, they're not happy. And uh, similar things happening with the UPS, I thought. Yeah, and I've also heard even like uh, uh, barges. Bar- oh, yeah. Yeah. What I the gist I've gotten lately because I, I see a lot of job openings and stuff like that in these postings, people talking about it. Um, of course, I got to keep my ear to the ground on this because I never want to lose a, a technician to another more lucrative okay. field. But um, they're working these people to death. You know, mm-hmm. it, as supply chain was all bunched up and the California thing at the port crisis was happening, they're working the train people like crazy. And I think even after COVID, you know, the barge traffic had to pick back up. You know, these people are spending way too much time out on their job. Sure. It's hard to get people to do these jobs, right? Yeah. Uh, barges, I know locally here, you see on the Illinois River, the Ohio River, mm-hmm. stuff like that, uh, they're on for a month at a time. Yeah. And they just work and work and work. Now, same thing with the railroads. All, all these little ancillary businesses, truck drivers, that we don't think about as the pandemic took hold and everybody was ordering everything, having everything Amazon to their house, Mm -hmm. that supply chain or not, there was a lot more activity in the delivery realm. Uh, And shipping, logistics, all that's the supply chain stuff. And I don't know if you've met somebody or you know somebody, have a family member working for like UPS or FedEx or Amazon. Uh, Talk to them at the end of the day and ask them how their day went. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> especially in the last two years. It's probably not great. Yeah, yeah. It's probably not great. So uh, I I don't know the specifics. And I to be honest, that was the first time I had heard about this because I don't watch the news anymore. Yeah, I dumped it on you. Because, well, because we're dealing at the dealership. It's a, a concern. The sales managers kind of clued me into this one today. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously everything that shows up at the dealership shows up in the back of a truck. But in order for it to get to Chicago or for it to get to Indianapolis or Louisville, wherever, you know, whatever our port is mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. locally, it showed up there by rail. Yeah. You know, and the Rivian factory, you know, 20 miles east of here, 
they have a giant railroad yard, you know, right right next to that factory. So every manufacturer depends on unloading all their vehicles out the factory onto a rail car. Appreciate the work of those folks too, because that that is just one of those jobs. I worked in a warehouse for you know stockroom for many years when I was in high school and college, and I knew the UPS drivers and you know the the guys that would come and and drive semis and all the freight guys, DHL and all that. And even even in my physical prime, it was a lot of work. Oh, you're still there, aren't you? Yeah, right. You're still, you've got yeah. time. Yeah, right. I think that's probably why I busted up my back. It was a lot of work, a lot of work. And that was day in, day out. And uh, I I have to imagine that GPS tracking and all kinds of metrics were running on things. I would think they'd be under the gun so much because you can watch everybody's move and you know exactly where your stuff's at. And I think that's probably got to be one of the most stressful jobs now. You're in a truck delivering stuff all day long. Your back's got to be killing you. You're dealing with customers in different locations. And and not only dealing with that, dealing with the stress of the job, then you got to deal with people in traffic Mm -hmm. or even in a train, dealing with idiots like... (laughs) Every couple of days, there's a new video of some guy in a truck or some school bus or something horrible getting run over at a train crossing because they don't know what the <laughs> crossing gates and flashing lights and bells mean. So it's got to be it's got to be a horrible job. Do you know anybody who didn't want to be a trucker anymore because they went to electronic logs? Uh, no, I, I know Is a that couple. A thing, I know a couple people. Yeah, just when the technology changed, I believe it. It became more stressful. I don't know what they were doing that they were so scared of, or were they just flat out scared of technology? So you know what? I don't want to deal with it. I, I know one way to do it. And how many people do you know that in your life anyway? They, nah, they do everything by paper, and once you tell them it's going to be electronic, they're like, I'm out of there. I'm out. And there might have been a lot of people just retire at that point, just say, screw it, I'm out. I do know a guy who drove for UPS and got in a fender bender, and they fired him, Yeah, like on the spot. And it wasn't <laughs> really wasn't his fault. They're just like, yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, just go ahead, and you're done. You ready? Is it that time? It's that time. He's been a little weird this week. It's time for your moment of Elon Musk, today he posted a random opinion on Twitter, which started chatter in, on the microblogging site. Is Twitter microblogging? I wasn't even sure of that. Anyway, the Tesla CEO expressed his views on salted butter. Quote, salted butter is amazing, but should be stored at room temperature, unquote. The billionaire also shared a meme along with his post, which left the internet in splits. <laughs> He posted on September 14th, and the tweet has amassed 58,900 likes with 3,300 retweets and several comments. Not only is this guy a pioneer of industry, he is definitely a comedian, and he knows his memes. That is your moment of Musk. That was your moment of Musk. Gabe does it so well. (laughs) Salted butter tweets. He's yeah, he, is he a foodie? I mean, that's the best thing about this guy. Not he's versatile. You know, he mm. he, he goes. He, we could talk about saving humanity mm-hmm. all the way down to. I mean, it, literally, you could be at Thanksgiving table with this guy. You know, Elon could probably. You know, we could talk about the butter, or we could talk about saving humanity. What, what's it going to be? Or let's talk about them both because he's well versed in both. I guess. I guess. As would you would to, you invite him to Thanksgiving? No, I was going to say what <laughs> what parallel universe are you or I sitting at a table on a holiday? With America's sweetheart, Elon Musk. I can see it. 
Elon, you are more than welcome to my Thanksgiving table. All right. It's a fine table donated by Gabe Casey. It is a very nice table. Brought his name up the 28th time this this episode. Yeah, yeah. All right, so <laughs> let's get past that. Uh, that was a rough moment of Musk. I'm sorry, folks. You it know, was. We uh, left a lot on the cutting room well, floor. Well, and the problem is he didn't have a whole lot of interesting stuff going on. You know, he's got his Twitter stuff going on, and yeah, I'm, I'm kind of sick of that. And uh, not really a whole lot of SpaceX. So the butter tweet. You know, I think it was a worthwhile post. All things butter. Yeah. So Be grinding prepared. of the gears. We we haven't done this segment in a while. We've uh, actually been pretty well. I adjusted. had one. I had one a couple weeks ago. You got it. Yeah. Anyway, but looks like you have something. I I was just gonna say, have you heard in passing people talk about? Oh, it's a stick shift. Your car's got a five speed. I just said this the other day. That's the millennial anti theft device. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is, Daryl. It is. Yeah. yeah. Dumb. <laughs> I think that was funny a few years ago. When did you hear it in context? No, because I was talking, somebody asked, they said, is that the Super that was stolen? And so uh, that day that the Super was stolen, the FRS was nose and nose to it. Yeah. And the person took the keys and threw them on the ground for the FRS because it was a stick shift. And guess what, Daryl? That means it was a millennial <laughs> theft deterrent. Well, it, it only means that if the person might have stolen it was actually a millennial. But these are like young kids, right, that stole stuff. What is a millennial anymore? I don't know. See, that's the thing. Millennials okay. are like 30, 40. I don't know. They're okay. like old now. Okay. I, so, think, I think most millennials actually are kind of hipsters, and they probably want to learn how to drive a stick. Because it's different. It's unique, yeah. right? So uh, I just keep hearing that in certain car circles, certain, uh, I say, demographics. I say older dudes, maybe, Whoa. might say it. Whoa. Uh, guess what, folks? Most of the folks I know that have a manual car or truck... They're millennials. Yeah. 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 So they actually show up to events. They work on their own stuff. They know how to drive. They might even be the next generation of car enthusiasts. So maybe, just maybe, you might want to be cool to them because they'll be buying your five-speed Integra GSR or your C6 Corvette with a six-speed from your estate sale for peanuts in a few years. They're not going to pay much for it because nobody wants it. And you're going to want to take as much money as you can from these millennials who like stick shifts because you want to live in a nice assisted living facility, right? You just went total dad. Yeah. This is a dad moment with you. Well, I just feel like there's some things like, enough. So somebody must have said it that really horked you off. I always hate, now don't get me wrong, there are certain times where I'm like, this group sucks. Yeah. Or this, you know, Corvette owners with their new balance shoes. Yeah. It's fun. It it's is fun. fun. And Mustang owners in the ditch. <laughs> right, right. But at the same time, like, the the millennial anti theft department. <laughs> I think I think we need to stop beating up on millennials. I really like my daughter could enough. leave the keys in her car at school, and nobody could move it. Nobody could touch it. Yeah, but is that that just shows you that people have evolved? People, nobody knows how to do anything anymore. Okay, but your daughter drives stick. Aiden drives stick. Yeah, both my kids do, and they're not. But they're like, are they Gen Zs? I don't know what they are. I guess I... I got to Google. All right, yeah. What's the age of millennials? Yeah, yeah okay. So... The youngest millennial. Age. Would that be... two? I think it's 2000. Range. Right? Is it 2000, 2001, something like that? Let Google, Uncle Google tell you. <laughs> Uncle Google. Yeah. CNN reports that studies often use 1981 to 1996 to define millennials. Okay. So my children are not millennials. Right. Because my daughter was born in 2001. So she would be Gen Z. Wow, I guess she is. She's just, I th yeah, yeah. So but my, my whole point, though, is millennials are old. They're 10 years young. Well, you're close. You're not quite a millennial. No, I'm not. And I remind people that. People <laughs> like, you're a millennial. 
You're one of them millennial types. Yeah, yeah. What year were you born? 84? 79. Oh, 70, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Four years the other direction. Yeah, sorry, yeah. yeah. Okay, my bad. I'm, no, but... You're close. You're close. I am close. <laughs> I know how to use a cell phone, if that's what you're saying. Yeah. But I also know how to drive a stick. It's not a novelty. I guess it is, but maybe it's not. I don't Could know. you drive three on the tree? Okay, boomer. What? Could you do it on the tree? Yeah, that was the first... Yeah, two of my cars are three. Really? Three. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I've never, I've never driven a, a stick shift on, on the column. Well, next time you're over... We'll fire up one okay. of the cars. That'd be fun. I, I'll teach you how to drive. I mean, my tractor is, ba- I mean, I guess the, the gearbox in that way, but the throttle up high. You know, anyway. It's a little different. Yeah, once, once you learn how to do that kind of stuff, it's not a big deal. It's a teachable moment, too. If you have some young guy or girl and they're just like, hey, this is neat. I'd, lo- I'd, I'd love to be able to drive stick or something. Teach them. That's the, other, that's the only way you're going to get experience. And the, the, the reason that some of these younger folks might not know how to do it is because like 3% of the cars are manual now. So order a manual transmission car. Go get an FRS. Go get a... Can you get the 86? Yeah, yeah the 86. You can get a manual. And six, you, six speed. Well, there you go. Yeah. Order it up, yo. Have a bunch of fun. And the new... Actually, I had a call today for one of the autocross guys uh, about the new Super coming out with a manual transmission. He was wanting to know what the ETA was. I talked to the owner, Mr. Fort, and uh, we have no allocation ideas as far as that goes. Mm-hmm. They, they did announce manual transmission for the upcoming year, but... Uh, Nothing is in the pipeline, and when you look up our in-ground, in-transit, all that, we have no Supras coming in. So. Not yet. Who knows? Maybe they're in a container ship somewhere. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Daryl, we got any game show music? We do. Cue that. Oh, up. yeah. That must mean one thing. It means Cars of the Week. Cars of the Week. W-E-A-K. Daryl and I are so weak. Even when we're chock full of cars. We have so many cars in the garage, and we've gotten our wives, even, even our other family members, Saying suspect things about our lifestyle choices. She'd probably sell one or yeah. two of well, these. Do you really need so many cars? What do we do, Daryl? We still sit on the couch. We still, at work, maybe out of the corner of our eye in the second <laughs> monitor, look over maybe at you know, Craigslist or something like that just to see what might be for sale. Hey, it's my break time. I don't smoke. I can do what I want. That's right. Yeah. So Cars of the Week is Daryl and I, we buy the car in our head. We justify it. Sometimes we present it to the wife or the significant other. Just just to see what they might feel about it. But generally speaking, it doesn't work out. So we buy it in our mind, we dream about it, and then we bring it to you and share it with you, dear listener. What a treat. What a treat. Yeah. And yeah. you're in for a treat this week because I'm looking at Eric's pick here, and it is straight up out of something from 1970s, I don't know, mid-70s. I can just see a lot of macrame. I see a lot of avocado green sweaters. What did you find on the World Wide Web? I mean, I think Sarah can smell the farts from here. This is a 1975 <laughs> Winnebago Brave. I was headed up to Chicago this weekend, north of Chicago, to visit my son in college, and we stopped at Wally's Truck Stop in Pontiac, Illinois. It's oh, a yeah. giant mega gas station. They sell gas four cents cheaper than the other guys around the area, by the way. And uh, we stopped inside. Well, Wally's is so big. I mean, they're cutting brisket. They got they got on tap kombucha. They got fresh cinnamon rolls being made. It is a palace inside, but in the middle of the palace, they have a Winnebago Brave sitting there. So Winnebago Brave is a nice, I don't want to say it's like a short Winnebago, but it, the car, the camper, it's a, a motor, it's a motorhome that's literally as wide as it is long almost. It, yeah. it, it's very short and stout. <laughs> it's kind of chubby looking. The angles are bad. And I think the windshield's a split windshield that almost has like a, uh, a triangle shape to it. It's just like a wedge. Very aerodynamic. Yeah, no, not yeah. at all. But uh, they they cut out the side of the Winnebago Brave at Wally so they could you know sell you T-shirts and some other bric-a-brac. 
But as I'm standing there looking at it, it's glorious. And I'm like, this is a perfect size. I mean, it, and really, it's low tech. The interior of these things got to be pretty nice. So what do I do, Daryl? I started perusing the marketplace. Just to see what's I, out there. I got to see what's out there for yeah. Brave. So yeah. I found a 1975 Winnebago Brave somewhere in northern Illinois with 59,000 miles on it. It's all original. It runs. It only has 523 hours on the generator. The AC blows cold. has dual water tanks, shower inside with a bathroom. It has a big block 440 on a Dodge Dually chassis. Oh, oh, oh. He might trade it for a boat. I don't have a boat. So. You know, get a boat and then so trade him. Without a boat, he wants $7,500 for this guy. Now, I will tell you, I was in Wally's mm. as I'm holding a warm cinnamon roll and I'm drinking an iced coffee. You didn't go with I the kombucha? My, I didn't go with kombucha. It was too early. Yeah, what, what, what's kombucha time? One, one o'clock? It's, it's one o'clock somewhere. <laughs> so anyways, you're standing there I'm standing there and life. I told the wife, I said, I'm looking at this thing. I'm like, you know what? This is one of those cars. And this is I said this earlier, even like Gabe Casey's little convertible that I should have bought. You could buy one of these mm. and you could park it. Even if yeah. you didn't want to renovate it right now, if it's in decent shape, we'd buy it. And she looked at me like she almost agreed to the situation. Like, She's yeah, like, yeah it's not a bad it. idea, you know. Yeah. So what do I do? I find this one. I say, look, honey, they're for sale. She didn't pay me any mind on that. She didn't even care. It's like she lied to me when we were in Wally's. Just I'm ignore so, him. He'll go away. Yeah, I'm so upset. I, I really want to own this. They made, I want to say they made like a Tonka version of this or like a, there were like, like kids a, toys. Like a Barbie one? Yeah, I yeah. think there was a Barbie I, I think RV. you're right, yeah. And it looked like this. My Barbie and G.I. Joe made out in one of these. <laughs> That's gross. My, my Barbie. That's right. Not my Barbie. He said it. I could go back and play the tape. <laughs> now, I will say this. Uh, my wife grew up and her folks had one of these when they when she was a real, real tiny, tiny little girl. And uh, she remembers going on some campouts out west in this thing. And she, at some point, I think her folks sold it to like her uncle. And then they did the same thing. They did the family, you know, family truckster thing. They graduated to different RVs over the years and got smaller and smaller. And eventually she's like, I ended up in a tent. I don't know how that happened, but we stopped <laughs> camping. That is counterintuitive. Yeah. <laughs> it is. You'd think you'd get a bigger RV. Yeah. But I remember her aunt and uncle had this thing and their kids, they had three kids and uh, traveled all over the country with it. When Sarah and I started dating and we were hanging out at her aunt and uncle's one time, I saw this Brave sitting behind the house with all the other vehicles that stopped running. <laughs> and I felt so sorry for this Aww. thing. I'm like, it was one of the shorties like this, the yeah, short yeah. wheelbase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looked just like this. And it had like moss on it and stuff and probably like snakes crawling around it and whatnot, critters. I felt so bad because I'm like, this is the iconic 70s RV that, yeah, that truly. just looks great. Uh, and I'm like, would your uncle ever sell it? She's like, no, I would never, I would never set foot in that thing. It's disgusting. I'm like, okay. So, so many happy memories. I could never, yeah, there's a lot of repressed trauma there. I would never be able to get my wife to get into one of these RVs. But I say, I don't, probably not tonight or whatever, but Google the Ring Brothers, the uh, custom car builders. Okay. They actually took one of these things and built it and like slammed it, put it on air ride, has like a newer Hemi. I think I've seen that. My goodness. Yeah. It's it's glorious because it looks like the 70s RV, but mm -hmm. the thing will go like 110 miles an hour. That's fun. Well, that's scary and funny. <laughs> it's like at a the brick. Same time. Yeah, no thanks. I mean, just because all the all the little one by fours that are inside, you know, holding yeah. this thing together, you just imagine them just like obliterating and fall, <laughs> falling to do toothpicks as it's going 100 miles an hour. I'll be all right. If you had this thing and it's 440 Dodge Big Block, mm -hmm. uh, 440 probably big torque flight trans, what would you do with it? Well, see, that's that's the problem. I, I like to think I'd have the time to actually enjoy it. Yeah. Would you the, actually take it, like, out west Well, I th So, I mean, to me, well, like, going to Wisconsin this weekend, 
Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't spend the night. We just drove up there, spent the day. Wouldn't it be fun just to kind of drive this up there and then and then spend the whole weekend, you know, just Aiden lives basically on Lake Michigan. Yeah. So find a spot near Racine or something like that. Sure. Camp spot. And just, and just go to sleep in that bad boy, wake up in the morning, you know, and, you know, go back to the beach. I kind of like that style. Or even if you went to Lake Michigan on the other side, which would be even better because you'd actually go to the beach. You right. can't really do that in Racine, but... I don't mostly know. Mostly rocks, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> mostly just giant rocks. Yeah. No, I think that's how you drive it. Um, although you, when you start looking at the fuel economy, you're probably getting 11, if you're lucky, probably eight or nine miles a gallon. Mm-hmm. You're like, well, that turned into an expensive weekend. So I don't know. Especially when you tow your boat behind it. Yeah. I Yeah, my sailboat. Your sailboat. Yeah. Hmm. It doesn't exist. I don't know. There's a lot of things I got to think about on this. I but anyway, guess. that's why it's my car of the week. It wasn't well thought, but I did own it and I wanted it. I love it. I love it. Nice pick. Thanks. Uh, I went a little bit newer, but not much. This is exotic for you. It is a little weird. Uh, I found perusing Facebook Marketplace. I'm just like, I'm going to randomly just kind of see, like almost roulette. I just want to see what shows up. (laughs) I'm feeling lucky on Netflix. You should have an I'm feeling lucky on Facebook Marketplace. So this popped up in the feed, and it was actually the prettiest one, and it's a beautiful green color. Not a British racing green, but almost like a... Like a Kermit the Frog green. I don't know. It's weird. It's an 85 Jaguar XJ6 Vanden Pla. And it's at Facebook Marketplace, also up in northern Illinois, uh, McHenry, if you know where that's at, on the Fox River. And uh, this, <laughs> Beautiful Fox River. Beautiful Fox River. This thing popped up Facebook for 6300 bucks, And I looked at it, and it's got the original you know, Jaguar mag rims. Uh, the paint's in really, really good shape. Interior pictures were great, kind of a, a light bone-colored uh, uh, leather. And everything just looked really good in it. And I'm like, what's the catch? The bare metal, B-E-A-R? Maybe, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Reluctantly, this is what the ad says, reluctantly I have to sell my 85 XJ6. Excellent shape. All the hard work has been done, including inboard back brakes. Inboard, who uses that? I don't know what that means. Uh, maybe he's a boater. Maybe. Uh, this Jaguar has had a full bare metal restoration, misspelled. Maybe this is a scam, Eric. Might be. Uh, I have a CD of 160 pictures of that. Drives like a dream. Front seats could use new skins and have a stack of receipts. All the work done. 55,000 miles. Everything works as it should. AC could use a charger. It upgrades. Serious inquiries only. No tire kickers showing by appointment only. Exclamation point. Not one of the most well-written, inviting ads, but... Uh, well, he's just trying to tell you he's serious, and you better be serious too, right? I did look through some of the pictures too. There is a scrapbook, a CD a, of a. First off, who advertises a photo? I mean, it would have been better if he said Kodak photo CD with 160 <laughs> pictures. <laughs> I've got some slides, some Kodachromes of my work. Now it's for 6,300 bucks though. If this thing is legit, and it does have Illinois antique plates, and there there were some old pictures. I think it's an older guy who probably fixed it up a while ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe just, I don't know, doesn't drive anymore. And bitter, so. he has to get rid of it? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe he's moving to the home. I don't know. Yeah. But this thing's real real pretty, and it is, it is the the classic XJ6. It's the, the Jaguars that we kind of grew up seeing. I mean, that British racing green. I mean, if you're going to buy a Jaguar, what color do you want? Green. Yeah. It yeah. stands out. And a lot of these things, especially in our climate, they'd start to get rust around the lower fenders, front and rear. And there's a, there's a couple of them out there right now. That are you know eight hundred to twelve hundred bucks that are just straight up parts cars, but it's a shame because the interiors on all of them are still beautiful because they use real nice leather and mm-hmm. wood and stuff like that. Real wood, real wood. So this thing, I don't know, maybe sixty three hundred bucks. I don't think you could get that car painted for sixty three hundred bucks. Oh, I agree. If it's got a clean paint job, it's definitely worth that. I think it runs, drives, it's got a nice paint job. 
That's a bargain. I love those Jaguar wheels, too. Don't you? That, yeah. They're gorgeous. Yeah, they are. I mean, back 20 years ago, I'd be like, I couldn't wait to get those things off. And, and put, like, some lace BBSs or something <laughs> Something, on yeah. But now they just look honest and pure. Yeah. I love it. Nice-looking car. It is a nice-looking car. I, I, you know, you do have the Volvo, so I guess I, I forget you do have a little bit of uh, European heritage in your garage. I just can't see you owning a British car. I would love to. The trouble is, I don't fit in most of them. It's, okay. it's the head. It's, I'm obviously a fat, fat person. What? But you're tall. It's the height. It's the headroom. And uh, I, a good friend of mine used to have an XJ years ago, and he was like, he's like, not even six feet. He barely fit the thing. Really? He looked. He looked hilarious in it. But they ride great. They've got just great lines. Um, I don't know if I could ever pull the trigger, but virtually, sure, why not? So <laughs> I like it. That's a good choice, and it's a good departure for you. It's not something from 1925. Right, you have to crank <laughs> it to start it. <laughs> I don't know. I do oh, like is, your RV. Is that is that the outro music? It is, is it, the is outro it coming music. in. Well, I mean, you know, we got some time. We can vamp. Okay, we've we we've come to the end of another episode of Throne Wrenches podcast. Episode 68 was a ton of fun. We hope you had a ton of fun. We hope you share with all your friends and your family and, and, and all your most hated people in your life. We don't right. care. Because we want to review. That's all I care about. That's <laughs> all you, all know, you do. When you, you know, wake up in the morning, oh, you, check the, yeah. you check the iTunes? No, I don't. I, I, before every episode, I check. Just to, double, you know, just to be sure. <laughs> but listen, folks. I'm, I'm going to be heading back out middle of October. And so we'll probably get another show or two in. Okay. We're going to do another Gabe Casey show. So, I mean. Yay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, even that guy propped up the show when the, when this thing was falling apart. So, pitch us a review. Do it for Gabe Casey. Do it for Gabe Casey. Yeah, and send us a review. <laughs> and uh, tell all your friends, like I said, and make sure you tune in for episode 69. It's going to be a blast. I can't wait to have Gabe back on there. And uh, thanks for listening. Yeah, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>